And now for something completely similar. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Welcome back. It's so good to see you guys. It's been a crazy week. Yeah. Uh, we both got the coronavirus. <laughs> we're both not, very ill, but we are here for you. Listen, let's not make this topical because <laughs> this is recorded weeks in advance. It could be, you know what, Jason? We could be recording now, and then in you know three weeks or so, we it, we could be talking about this when we've already figured out that it's a democratic hoax. Tell you what, uh, you say what you have, and then when we get when we release this episode a few weeks from now, we'll just dub in what you have. So you just say I have. Blank, and then we'll dub it in. I have smallpox. Perfect. There we go. We did so it. We'll be good. So we'll see what was edited in there later. Yeah. Uh, did, but, I'm as excited to find out as you. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Cheers to that. Drinks. Woo! But today's podcast is sponsored by the King of Beers, Budweiser. It is not Budweiser, provided to me by Brendan from his wallet. Yeah, my Frigidaire. <laughs> Jason, this is a podcast. Where we talk about movies on the British Film List, normally. The British Film Institutes. No, it's just called the British Film List. Oh, okay. It's just a list of the only British you films. You can't change the premise The top through. 100 British films, technically, are the only British films ever made. That's correct. They actually burned... The, it was like in the old days of BBC when they would wipe the tapes. That's what they do. They wipe the film. They just took the list and they wiped their ass. They shaved it. the the film and got like the top layers of it off, and then they could reuse the film, like the milky top, like yeah. it was left out in the sun for too yeah. long. Yeah, it's like a pudding skin, if you will. Ooh. So, on that horrifying uh, mental image, yeah, um, we're yes. not talking about those movies. We're not talking about the the, the British top the top one hundred British films of all time. We're we about- make no guarantee to the quality of the movies we are currently talking about. No, because they are movies. Related to the top 100 British films of all time. And I'm not saying they're their brothers. No. Not saying they're their uncles. Can't be. I'm not even saying they're their cousins twice removed. I mean, they might be. It's possible. But I'm saying these movies are, could be sequels, Mm. prequels, Mm. uh, somewhat related. Inspired by? Inspired by, based on the same book. Yeah, sure. Uh, Based on a dream a character in one other movie has? I I don't think that's one of them, but who knows? Yeah, it could be any of them, right? Um, so this one, this week we were talking about, we, we talked about a movie, a classic film yes. on this podcast called Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, one of my favorite films of all time. Which was number, I think three on the list after. Number three yeah. on the BFI Top 100. Jason, we were talking about a, a movie this week called Lawrence After Arabia. All men dream, but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds wake in the day to find that it was vanity. But the dreamers of the day are dangerous men, for they may act their dream with open eyes to make it possible. This I did.
And as you whisk off into a deep slumber, as we both did while watching this movie, mm-hmm. we were talking about a dang. We should say the name of the the full name of the movie is a dangerous man colon space Lawrence after Arabia. And this is a sequel of sorts to 1962's yep. Lawrence of Arabia. Mm-hmm. Now, not a direct sequel because, as we know, Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, well, first of all, it was made. 25 years before this movie. and yeah. uh, Almost 30. <laughs> almost 30. Uh, no, 30 years. Okay, 30 years. Yeah, be, yeah 30 years before this movie and mm-hmm. uh, uh, does not star any of the same actors because they'd all be quite old. That'd be weird. Yeah, see, <laughs> Peter O'Toole and <laughs> like like 60-year-old Peter O'Toole trying to be young <laughs> Lawrence Arabia. It's supposed to be five years <laughs> later. The war was really hard on Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> Faisal, just make the deal. But, but I'm pretty sure that in 1992, you could probably still get away with putting Alec Guinness in brownface. They don't time. do that in this movie, though. Oh, that you know. Thankfully, they hire a gentleman of actual Middle Eastern descent, yeah. one Sidig El Fadil, aka Alexander Sidig, and as I said last week, aka Dr. Julian Bashir, medical officer of Deep Space Nine. There you go. Let's go through the cast real quick here. All right, we got Ray Fiennes making his third appearance on the show. Yet to really oh. crack. <laughs> this is one of the greatest actors of all time. Yeah, he's a wonderful actor, but but we've, we've watched three movies with him in it over our course of this show, one of which is actually on the list, and they're all terrible. <laughs> uh, he plays T.E. Lawrence, of course. Uh, Dennis Quilly is Lord Curzon. Mm. Curzon Dax, uh, a friend of Julian Bashir's. Actually, yeah. Jedzia Dax was his friend. Curzon was her predecessor. As you said, um, now known as Alexander Siddig, yeah. um, but he plays Prince Faisal. Nicholas Jones plays the uh, menacing Lord Dyson. Mm. Uh, he of the vacuum cleaner empire. And of the, the sphere that <laughs> surrounds the sun, you see. <laughs> That's right. Polly Walker plays Madame Dumont. Uh, Roger Hammond plays Valence, Valency. Uh, Peter Copley plays Maitland. Paul Freeman, a.k.a. Uh, the dude from Indiana Jones, who I can't... His name oh, that's me. why that guy looked familiar. Yeah. What Wait, the fuck is his who name? Who is he in Indiana Jones? The guy who... It's the guy. Which guy? The, the, he's the guy that Indy like hangs out with. For he's the fat guy. Like at the school? No. I'm gonna have to watch Indiana Jones again. He's he's the guy. Why couldn't we have watched Indiana Jones instead of this movie? Jason. It also stars Jim Carter. Yes, he's back for the second yes. week in a row. Who's on a roll. He may be like in the most consecutive movies we've watched. Oh, he over is. The course of the series. He plays a character called Minerts Minerts Hagen. Um, and then finally, last but not least, Michael Cochran plays Winston Churchill, who I don't remember seeing in this movie. Yeah, I don't know who Churchill's supposed to be. I, I wasn't sure. I thought, because he, he said Churchill's on your side at one point, and I wasn't sure, because Churchill would have been quite young uh, in World War One, mm-hmm. uh, at least compared to World War Two, because he was younger. That's how time works. Um, but he also had red hair, so I didn't notice anybody with, like, red hair sticking out that would have looked like they Churchill. They probably honestly just made him an old man. <laughs> yeah, probably. Like, I thought that old fat guy might have been Churchill, but, like, that's not how Churchill looked like in 19... 19- 18. And I don't remember them ever saying the name. The only person I remember specifically represented that I noticed, besides T. Lawrence and Faisal, obviously, yeah. was... David Lloyd George. Uh, what? Prime Minister of England, David oh. Lloyd George. And Clemenceau, the President of France. I was going to say President Woodrow Wilson. Yes, it, it, The yes. only leader in this movie who's portrayed in a positive light. Which, you know is what? Interesting. Is interesting. And that is interesting. And, and I think that that is... I think that's an interesting interesting tack to take. I think that's kind of the view of it is that because Wilson was the one that was really promoting like 25 points of peace. Like he wanted to make peace with Germany. 
the difference between him and the French and the English is that the, the French especially didn't just want to make peace with Germany. They wanted Germany to pay. So Wilson was willing to like figure out a way to like work this out, but they wanted to punish Germany for the war. And they did with what later became known as the Treaty of Versailles. Well, Jason, before we get too deep into this, sure. why don't you tell us a little bit, just kind of sum up a so, little bit what Lawrence After Remember is that about. fucking awesome, epic fucking war movie we watched a few months back about T.E. Lawrence and all the shit he went, got down to during the war? You remember that movie? Blow Up? Nope. Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, okay. Yeah, you remember it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what if we made a movie okay. that was a sequel to that, oh, but had uh, none of the battles. Uh, okay. Uh, at least no physical battles, just just some uh, verbal. verbal battles. Um, none of the epic photography. Okay, you're losing me. And the uh, guy that plays T.E. Lawrence doesn't have searingly bright blue eyes. Okay, that's kind of a big part of that character. Yeah. So what if we did that? Then we'd have this movie we just watched. <laughs> a Dangerous Man... Colon, Lawrence after Arabia. Yeah. This movie is a negotiation. Yeah. It's a negotiation with me and my ability to stay awake. This, yes. Oh, God, yes. This movie is a is about a very important thing that happened in human history. The Paris Peace Conference is uh, a, a linchpin point of the 20th century and incredibly important to history, but doesn't make for great... Um, TV <laughs> handled in yeah because this is a TV movie. This is a TV we movie. So uh, to be fair to these guys, you know it's a TV movie. Their budget's limited. They don't have David Lean's swing to make a movie. Sure, but it's also handled in the least interesting way yeah. possible. This yeah. is like how do you follow something like Lawrence of Arabia mm. with a sequel that focuses on what happens afterwards, mm. but handle it like this? Yeah, and and the problem is is that like with Lawrence of Arabia, Lawrence of Arabia is a classic war movie. We have a clear hero with clear friends and a clear objective, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're kind of onside the whole movie. We see Lawrence as he struggles with his, you know, his identity and and the the, the, the war itself. But eventually they triumph, and, and we you know we have this arc. We have a great story. This movie's about a negotiation of peace after a war, and that is an incredibly messy and hard to follow in the best of times uh, thing because we're following Lawrence, who's hanging out with King Faisal now. The Arabs were not a particularly important part of that peace process. And we see that in the movie. And that's, and that's gotten across that they want to be a part of it they, because they were assured of their independence uh, after the war. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the overall scheme of things, certainly in the opinions of Clemenceau and, and Lloyd George and Wilson and all the other leaders, like that they were a very minor detail to be dealt with they're just like whatever it's like look we're gonna we're gonna split it up into mandates and they're just gonna have to live with it and that's cool it's like well what about the promises you made well who needs promises right and yeah then, this, this movie doesn't paint the british or the french in a very favorable no and, light. and they shouldn't because they absolutely deserve to be painted in a bad light for a lot of the moves they pulled post world war one I. I mean and that was the world of the time there's some kind of sad attempts like okay you're going to make a movie like this. You're going to make it on a small scale. Granted, it's not going to, it's not a great idea, mm. but if that's what you're going to do, whatever. But there's some weird attempts in this movie to make it like, to like ape the original movie in a couple scenes. Yeah. There's a motorcycle oh, scene. That motorcycle scene, man, that's like, out what like are a you, sore fucking thumb. What are you doing? And then there's a scene at the, not to skip ahead, but at yeah. the very end of the movie where we see them in the desert, mm. it's the fucking most flaccid like shot i've ever seen it's like if you can't pull it off don't do it 
I, I'm willing to let that one at the end of the movie slide because it's supposed to be from a newsreel. So it's maybe not supposed to look as epic, say, as a, as a shot that David Lean would have done. I don't think the one at the very end is supposed to Because it's a black and white, isn't it? Like, I thought it was, like, just calling... Because the framing device of the movie seems to be Lawrence watching this newsreel about himself in the theater. Second time, by the way, that Ray Fiennes is in a movie where he's, like... It has, like, that weird framing device yeah. where we see everything in flashback. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's in his contract. That's how all his movies have to be. And, and Avengers would have been that way if he'd have gotten his way, and it probably would have made money. <laughs> yes, it made a, a, <laughs> I was going to say a million dollars. I remember joining the Avengers, and then it flashes into him fighting his way through that fake town. I was going to say it would have made a million dollars, but it uh, made more than that. Yeah, <laughs> people paid to see it. Um, yeah, and just, like... I don't know. I found like um, it just. I just didn't care. Mm. I, I just didn't care about any of it. To go from something so amazing mm. like Lawrence of Arabia, which I think is still at the top of my list, or yeah. at least it's number one or two, to this. Yeah, like it's just such a sharp fall. Yeah, in a vacuum. If, let's say Lawrence were interested in this period, it'd still be super boring, and it'd still be super boring. But then to have it as a a now obviously this isn't a, a direct sequel and it isn't made by the same people, but. <laughs> To try to like piggyback on that legacy is a big job, and yeah, it's just that Lawrence's story is interesting. But after the war, like you don't really have the same cinematic, um, cinematic friendly stuff going on. Faisal wants to be king of Syria, and he's eventually installed as king of Iraq. Uh, yeah, and, which they tell us after. In the- yeah, and that they kind of side it with the Saudis on this one, and that explains why we have Saudi Arabia today as a country, and we don't have, like... And then he basically does that until he gets sick and dies at age 45. And then Lawrence, after the war... Because Lawrence, shortly after this Paris Peace Conference, we don't see it, but Lawrence gets into a plane crash mm-hmm. and hurts himself, but then manages to recover, and he's kind of out of the army at this point. Um, and then for the rest of his life, he kind of, like, he rejoins the army at, like... Or he, I think he actually joins the Air Force at one point as like a buck private mm-hmm. and as like an aircraft mechanic. And yeah. he just spends the rest of his life kind of in and out of these lower ranks, like just doing menial jobs because he wants to be in the army. Well, because as we see in the movie, they kind of shut him off from yeah. Faisal and they kind of tell him like, you're done. Like, yeah. this is it. See, yeah. I think in retrospect, Brendan, a better movie would have been if they'd really zoomed in and focused on the relationship between Faisal and Lawrence, like really dove deep into that. And we see some of that in the movie. We see the kind of relationship they have, especially the whole bit of Faisal pretending not to speak English so that Lawrence can basically say whatever he wants. Well, there is a pretty funny moment there where he's, yeah, he's pretending, like Lawrence is pretending to translate for him when somebody at the nearby table realizes that Faisal is just reading from the Quran. He's just reciting a Quranic verse he had memorized. <laughs> and that's when they kind of realize, oh, he doesn't know what he's saying. We can we can coerce, like, trick him. Well, and there's also a scene earlier where... I believe they're speaking to like a British envoy and the envoy gives this like long paragraph about something. And then <laughs> Lawrence turns to Faisal and speaks like five words to him. And he's like, that was it. And he's like, oh, I'm using the very uh, efficient dialect of such and such to get it across. <laughs> but that's the thing. And, and, and actually, I like that, that that is a point of the movie. And, and, and it is kind of a important thing to mention is that you never can go wrong playing on the racism of the British Empire. So the idea that Faisal would pretend not to speak English and to be perceived as a dumb savage, essentially, 
would be a huge advantage to him because people, you know, would not keep their care around him and just speak English, you know, offhandedly and thinking he doesn't understand, but he does. Well, let's 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 play a little clip here because there's a there's a clip here where um, they kind of I don't know if they catch on to it, but they say like we're bringing our own interpreter yes. to make sure that uh, you're actually interpreting what he's saying. And Lawrence kind of one-ups them by having a prepared statement already written. Yes. And he reads this uh, in front of the council, the Jedi Council. Your Excellencies, when I received the formal order to go to the Paris Peace Conference, I went to my father and asked him for the political documents containing the promises made to him by England, which I had not yet seen. I know, though, that these promises were contained in a letter sent by the British government. My father replied that this letter was in England and that I had no need of it. I offer this as more proof of the absolute trust my father has in the government of Great Britain. Your Excellencies, I, however, would like to see this letter and I would like its contents to be made known here. For in it, I believe, there are no divisions, no spheres of influence, but a promise to the Arabs of their absolute independence. Your Excellencies, our cause is this, that all Arabic-speaking regions should enjoy individual independence. Your Excellencies, show us the letter. It predates any secret agreement made between Great Britain and France, and any such agreement was rendered meaningless when I and Colonel Lawrence marched triumphant into Damascus. And then, of course, they, they don't believe that he's actually reading a speech. They think he's making it up. So Clemenceau is like, oh, I don't understand. Can you repeat that in French? And he just reads it just word for word. And I know enough French to know that he was translating it exactly from what he had uh, previously said. Well, it can never be said that Ray Fiennes is a bad actor by any stretch no. of the imagination. And, okay, we should talk about um, Ray Fiennes in this movie. Because yeah. when we talked about Lords of Arabia, and even I think when we talked about Bridge in the River Kwai, we talked about how David Lean was such a huge influence on future directors, um, including Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Uh, did you know that this movie actually call, uh, was the reason Steven Spielberg cast Ray Fiennes in Schindler's List? I thought you were going to say this movie was the thing that killed David Lean. No. <laughs> this movie, yeah. This, yeah. So Steven wow. Spielberg saw this movie, and I don't know what he thought about the movie, but he... He thought just, that Ray Fiennes was good enough based on this movie to cast in Schindler's List? Now, I wonder if it's because it was related to Lawrence of Arabia, a movie that he loved because he loved David Lean. Wait, so is he... He's the he's the Nazi commandant in uh, in uh, Schindler's List. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was him or his brother. Yeah, it's Amon Amon Gerth. Yeah, or, or Geth or, Geth or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, he he does it with um, he does it because of this movie, which kind of makes sense to me in a weird way. Mm. Like I said, because Spielberg is a huge Lawrence of Arabia fan, is a huge David Lean mark. So maybe he liked this movie as a, as a super fan. He thought that this was a nice bit of context. I wonder. It's possible. It also kind of, um, I mean, Alexander Siddig also, this was kind of his breaking out, breakout role too. Um, not that it necessarily went on to great fame immediately, but yeah. this is what got him recognized in the public eye. But I have to ask you this. Yeah. Why did they hire an actor with the wrong eye color? Or, well, he may very, I mean, he may very well have blue eyes, but this is also a TV movie that was shot on, I don't know if it was shot on film or video, but it, I mean, it kind of looks like film, but it may have been 24 frame video. That's all well and good. Yeah. But there are lines that refer to his fucking piercing blue eyes. Yeah, and you think that they would try to enhance that a little bit, get that across. While the camera 
is on his face. And, and his eyes, they may be blue, maybe they are piercing blue, but on the screen they look fucking dark. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's crazy to me. Um, and Fiennes is good in the movie. Like, he's, he's mm. doing a fine job. But when you have, uh, it's a difficult thing when you have an actor like Peter O'Toole who's just so connected to that mm. character. Yeah. It's like you can't see anyone else in that role. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and Ray Fiennes could have just done a Peter O'Toole impression. And, I mean, that would have been fine, I suppose. I mean, to but his he credit, doesn't. he doesn't. No, he doesn't. He does his own thing. But it's like that character. I mean, that's the thing. We don't really know what Lawrence was like as a person because there's really not all that much footage of him, as I understand, like being interviewed. So we don't really get a sense of what his personality is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Peter O'Toole is so much what we associate it with you know, or associate with that personality. It's hard for any actor, I imagine, to step into a role that's been so iconic like that. You know, mm-hmm. and sometimes it works out. I mean, we saw Chris Pine killed it in the new Star Trek movies yeah, as he's Captain great. Kirk. He's he kind great. Of, he does a whole like Han Solo thing. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's fucking fucking great, and he's, I uh, love him. Um, okay, I know you're a fan of this guy, mm. Alexander Siddig. Mm-hmm. I thought he was pretty dull in this movie. Yeah. yeah, you know what he was, but I also thought he was he was fine. Like he did he did a workmanlike job. He just he just. There's just nothing there. Yeah. Like I just, I, I mean, I'm not, and, and I mean, it's not even necessarily his fault. Hmm. I just feel like they don't really give him anything to do. I mean, he's there to be with Lawrence, yeah. and he's kinda... literally only talking most of the movie to Lawrence. Anytime, any other time he's speaking, he's speaking in Arabic, right? So, I mean, I like that they cast an actual person of the appropriate color, ethnicity at least. Ethnicity? I mean, yeah, I don't know where he's from, but he's certainly the the proper origin, I suppose. A lot closer than, you know, casting than, Alec Guinness yeah. in that part. Um But that's and that's kind of what was the thing is like Alec Guinness is such a great actor that you really get this like sense of wisdom and mm-hmm. and um and, and it might be because he's kind of played older in Lawrence of Arabia. I was going to say, this is the right age this, casting. Yes. This uh, is the uh, correct... Alexander Siddig is much closer in age to what uh, uh, Faisal would have been at this time. Yeah, because we said when we were talking about Lawrence of Arabia, Alec Guinness is a much older man than Faisal was. I was kind of surprised to see Faisal smoking in the movie. Just uh, casually. Just casually just smoking. smoking like, a cigarette. Makes sense at that time, but at the same time, I didn't know that the Muslims were particularly fond of uh, smoking as a thing. But then again, he was also super powerful and rich, so or at least rich compared to everybody else in his society. Yeah. I also found like I don't know. I also found like the characters a lot less interesting in general. Like they they don't have any flaws. The, yeah, there's not really any flaws. And and the characters beyond those two, like what is it? It's a bunch of old white men and Jim Carter. After I saw this movie, I messaged Jason and I said, literally, I there are people in this movie that I don't know who they're supposed to be. No. And I've seen them, and I saw them five minutes ago yeah. in a different scene. Like yeah. I don't know who they are. Like I I, I would certainly nominate the the fat guy for most British in this movie. <laughs> Uh, there was I forget which one. <laughs> there were like the, the three old, of them. the old bald fat guy. You like, know him. <laughs> there were like three of the three of them that looked exactly the same. Uh, he just he just the way he said I think the word about just about like, it's just such a it's fucking upper class drawl to it that it's like he won the most British award. And like the guy who played uh, oh these movies don't qualify Jason keep that in mind. No. Well I mean there's still British people in them and theoretically they could be most. British. They don't qualify. Well you're a dickhole. I do think Dyson was kind of a good, like, slimy villain, but they didn't really do much with him after the first, like, 20 minutes or so. I mean, that's the thing is that you – I don't know that you can really have a single villain because everybody's a fucking villain in this movie. Every colonial power that has won the war because none of them give a shit about the plight of the Arabs, mm-hmm. and that is what Lawrence is there on behalf of. 
and he's our hero. Yeah, and like, I don't know. Okay, something that didn't really sit well with me, it was weird to me. At the beginning of the movie, we talked about the framing device, how Lawrence is watching like the newsreel and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are reports that he would go in and kind of sneak in and watch it. Mm-hmm. He didn't really like watching it, knowing people, that, people knowing that he was there, but he'd do that. He seems a little too pleased with it, though. Like, it's almost like he's, like, boasting about it to himself. I don't see him as that character, especially um, not... Yeah, but but Lawrence was a bit of a publicity whore, too. Especially not after Lawrence of Arabia, though. I feel like at that point, he had seen the horrors. He had been a little affected. I I, I think he still liked the spotlight. I still think he liked getting his face out there. Because they do mention it at one point in the movie. They, oh, you're such a... But I, for publicity. but I never really got that from the, the rest of the no, movie. No, not though. from the rest of the movie, certainly. Like from they, his life, you would you would get that, but maybe not so much as he's portrayed in the movie. Like, they show a lot of like the scenes where he's being interviewed and stuff, and he looks like he doesn't want to do it. I got a big thing here. Okay. So he goes and he's yes, watching the newsreel. Yes, you news do. Re- I do. Thank you very much. He goes and he's watching this newsreel. Now, if I were making this movie, and I assume had maybe $100,000 more in the budget. Just so, 100000 Say hundred grand. I would be like, because throughout the movie, they keep talking about this show, this London... It's like, oh, have you seen the show, uh, the stage show, with the mm. Lords of Arabia, and this and that. It would have made, made so much more sense if that was what he was watching. If he goes in like to the back of the thing in the movie, and he sees this show playing, and it's like playing out his life on stage, and then at the end, of the, and then he comes back to it at the end, and then he goes to see Faisal. Like, wouldn't that make more sense? You think so. But I thought that, clearly I kept, they couldn't afford that. I kept thinking that was going to be a scene. Yeah, they, they were going to see it at some point, and yeah. just be like, oh, look at our story. Wouldn't it have been fucking annoying and like historically inaccurate if the, the ending of the movie, he walked up to a young man, and the guy was like, Hello, I'm very interested in your life. I'm Peter. Peter O'Toole. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Like five-year-old Peter O'Toole. <laughs> Hello, I'm Peter. Peter I'm going O'Toole. to play you in a movie one day, Mr. Lawrence. And he's like, oh, yes, I believe you will. Yes. And then the old Peter O'Toole shows up as the baby's father. <gasps> and then Vincent Price is there just because he's there. <laughs> and then Thanos comes, shows up and snaps his fingers. And then half of Peter O'Toole disappears. Just half of Peter O'Toole? Wait, the baby or the father? Both. I'm already confused. Both. Another scene I, I, uh, I thought was funny just a little bit was early on. There's a scene where they sit down with the British functionary and he's tr- we have a we, we have a bit of a confusion over your title and then he begins to like explain these different times that these different titles have been signed and then eventually it ends up with you know that he says this lo- uh, King Faisal says this long like thing in Arabic and then Lawrence like reads it back to him, and he's just like, "Oh, okay, I guess we'll just go with this then." It was, it was, it felt like like a, a really bad Monty Python sketch. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was mildly amusing. So, listeners, this movie was tough. This movie was tough. We should mention throughout the film too. He is uh, writing. He is in process of writing the Seven Pillars of Wisdom. His first draft of the Seven Pillars of Wisdom, which famously he then lost in a cab. Mm. Uh, never recovered and had to rewrite the whole book. Oh, I thought you were going to say that Jim Carter uh, took it from him while he was trying to seduce him. I was going to say, I was pretty sure Jim Carter was trying to fuck Lawrence because it was uh, just before that there was a scene where Lawrence came into his room and the French lady had bribed her way into her room, into his room and was sitting naked in, in his bed waiting for him. Mm. Uh, and then he just kind of laughed it off. Well, it's funny. We talked about – we should get into that because yeah. we talked about Lawrence of Arabia. I mean you mentioned in real life uh, Lawrence may have had a reputation of being a little bit of a sadist. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, which or, is kind of sort of a little bit touched on in the scene where he's whipped. Yes. Um, because we kind of thought, oh, does he have well, a that's smile not really a sa- I guess it wouldn't be so much a sadist as a masochist. Masochist. But we, we do see a slight like curving of the lip. 
um, as much as the censors would let them get away with. Yeah. But in this movie, they lay it on thick. Well, because they you see his back. You see the whipping that he had gotten. and uh, Which, again, is disputed, apparently. Yeah, it was disputed. But, of course, and, and Jim Carter touches it and makes some comment about, oh, what happened? And he's like, oh, I got dragged over barbed wire by a camel. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, you didn't. Yeah. He's like, oh, the, the pain on your back. But he clearly and, wanted to fuck him, but Lawrence wasn't down for that either. So maybe Lawrence uh, in this world was just not into sex. I think, yeah, I think if... Or at I, least not at this exact juncture. I think if I had to guess, I'd say he was more like asexual than anything. Possibly. Or maybe he was just a man of many tastes of whatever happened to be his fancy at a given moment. Maybe. Maybe it's a Maybelline. Maybe I'm amazed at the way you love me all the time. You are? Yeah. Oh. Maybe I'm amazed by you. Stop before we get sued. Maybe I'm... Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's that scene. Mm. And then throughout the movie, there is a lot of homoeroticism. I found there? there was. Did oh, you find that? oh, man. Any scene between Lawrence and Faisal, mm. it was just. I mean, I'm pretty sure they came at least three times in the movie. Well, they were certainly very close. Yeah, I, I mean, you see. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta think it was intentional. There was yeah. a this movie. This was a gay movie. Well, one wonders, one does wonder what kind of relationship Faisal and uh, and uh, Lawrence had, given it would be quite contrary to both their cultures at the time. Mm-hmm. That never stopped anybody before. What are you trying to say? Let's meet afterwards. Can we just do it right now? No, we have to go find an alley on the microphone. I can only get it up in an alley. <laughs> get it up in an alley. That's the only place. Get it up in an alley. You wait, wait, wait. Get it up in an alley. Getting it up while I'm going down. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, no, I just thought, I thought there was a like a ton of like just sexual tension between them. Yeah. Um. Even though, okay, just listen to their their last the reunion at the end. Okay, Lawrence yeah. and Faisal. Just just listen to the dialogue. And, and Lawrence looks a bit sickly in this scene. He's quite sweaty and looks a bit just a maybe he's got a little touch of Spanish flu. I don't he's know. He's wet because he's been thinking about this meeting forever. Yeah, that's true. I've <laughs> I've been writing a lot. I've brought it to you. I'd like you to read it. It is finished? Yes. I have been thinking what I can give you. No, please, please, I have... No. I have it. I shall give you the archaeological rights. You know that I have... The exclusive archaeological rights. In all my kingdom. That would be very special. However, I think I'm about to be deposed. Why were you not there to meet me? I was ordered not to see you again. So, they did not break you. No. They are frightened of us together. And we are together now. Yes. 
So you're telling me you don't get any homosexual overtones from that scene? I guess I was just tired and bored and didn't. I mean, you know, you know me. I, I love a good naked wrestling match as much as the next guy. But yeah, it yeah. didn't. Uh, but I see what you're saying. Okay. That's pretty clear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there is some tension there. Yeah. I mean, they literally have like a Romeo and Juliet. Like they, they swore I couldn't see you anymore. Yeah. But we are together now. And this yeah. big like loving embrace there. Well, and at one point he points out like you kneeled in the sand and gave your loyalties to me. And, yeah. 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 For queen and country, all right. They're fucking. Well, we just, we hope they find happiness. I was disappointed though that, that at no point in this movie does Faisal call Lawrence Orance. And at no point in this movie do they reference the fact that there will be a third film where Faisal visits Lawrence in America called Faisal Goes West. Wait, 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 wait. Slam dunk. Slam dunk. In the net. Y'all ready for this? All right, that's enough of that. Oh, this movie. I do. I literally wrote in my notes, who cares about this bullshittery at one point? Because they were like showing like a scene where they're all, it's like a social function and they're all like drinking and talking and it kind of lingers in there. And it's like, who cares? I don't give a shit. I know this sort of shit happens at peace conferences. I don't need to see it. Fuck. It's just the weirdest thing. It's like the, the thing that nobody cares. It's interesting to think about. It's not interesting to watch a 90-minute movie it's about literally it. like the only filming locations they had was this one big house and like a couple of like offices. This house is where we filmed this bad movie. It was. It really was. Um... I do like, uh, or I don't like, but I, I think the one American character that isn't the president is yeah. like that goon who's like, why, Lawrence, you're the moving picture. He's a journalist. Yeah, he's like, you're the moving picture, Lawrence. Have you seen the Have moving pictures? Have you seen pictures? it back in New York? Wow, what a show, Lawrence. You're the uncrowned king of Arabia. Yeah, which of course, because he's a white guy, yeah, it's like, and, and you imagine that that hurts Faisal a little bit. It's like, they all think he's the uncrowned king of America. It's like, I know, or of Arabia. It's like, I know what you're doing, but it's like, I'm the actual king of Arabia here. They do have that little moment that I did like from Alexander Siddiq where he kind of looks at Lawrence for a moment after mm. that guy says that. Yeah. And he looks a little perturbed, but he also is just kind of amused by the level of fame that Lawrence has at yes. the same time. I also enjoy his looks that when he's uh, when he's fucking with Lawrence later on and he's like telling them to he, he says something in Lawrence translate uh, he says that Lawrence is writing a book and then he says like Le, the great Lawrence and he's like making him translate and say this shit and then eventually it pisses Lawrence off enough that he storms out like well, a he, call, he calls him a jackass basically yeah. doesn't he because he says like there are a line of camels with a small donkey in the, in yeah, the front at the of the front. line yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> um, a little bit of a lover spat, I suppose. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. I'm glad you're on board now. <laughs> I'm on board. Uh, I was. I did write that I was waiting for the moment in the movie where Lord Dyson gets the idea for vacuum cleaners. We covered that. <laughs> it sucks, and sometimes if you reverse it, it could blow. Mm, and absolutely Lord- smashing. And Lawrence is like, "Oh yes, I would like that very much." A bit too oriental for my um, taste. Uh, Jason, <laughs> literally my next note. <laughs> as soon as Lawrence and Faisal run it, walk in with their robes, mm. yes, an old man says that line. <laughs> and then right after that, I wrote 90s slow clap. Yes. Because they do that <laughs> slow clap and it was so common in 90s films. Yeah, and, and I guess showed up in 1920. Or 1919 in this movie, so that's I was cool. Say, this is where it was invented at the Paris Peace Conference. For a second, I thought I was going to say, did you think that's when this movie came out? Yeah, no, it was released right on the day. It was really ahead of its time. Ray Fiennes looks amazing. I know, he's, he's a very good skin regimen. 
Uh, that okay. I have to say just one more time. We have to talk about this. Just how fucking stupid that motorcycle scene was. They were aping like exactly in the movie. Now in in the original film, as we remember, that scene is used. That is where Lawrence dies. The first he, scene. He, he's driving real fast. He sees some kids or a fucking cart on the road, and he swerves off the road. You, we hear the crash. We see his goggles hanging in the tree, and then we cut to his funeral. And this movie recreates that scene for no fucking reason. None. And he doesn't die. He's just... its And it may be even be the same road or a road that looks very similar. But he's blasting down the road and somebody comes across his path and he just swerves the bike off the road this time and manages to survive and say something. It's him. not even particularly shot well. No. And it's more just because he, he stole the fucking bike from the, the motorcycle courier that came in to deliver his orders to go back to England. For no reason. Yeah. Yeah, I just stole his fucking bike because he wanted to take a bike ride. Because remember, he was a motorcyclist, right? And that's how he died. So we needed to be reminded of that fact. This movie... Okay, Jason, if I could sum up this movie... Mm. And I don't want to sum it up yet. we still got stuff to talk about. But if I could sum up this movie... This is the movie that I feared Lawrence of Arabia was going to be. Yes. Because I hadn't seen it. No. You had seen it. You knew you, we were in for something good. But this yeah. was the movie I was worried that it yeah, was. exactly. Like just a boring fucking talkie piece. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just... It, and I think that I think that this I think the Paris Cop Peace Conference probably could be made into a good movie, but sure. I, you would need a much better director. I think Put at some the helm. fucking intrigue in this. Yeah, and have some really good shots, like really big wide shots of large rooms full of men mm. from all over the world negotiating and forming what would later become the 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 what do they call it? The not the United Nations. The what's the other one? The predecessor of the United Nations. Why can't I think of what it's called? UNICEF. No. The, the NWO. Uh, Wolfpack. Uh, hold on a sec here. DX. Uh, anonymous. Um, I'll just sing this for a while. Wolfpack is back. Mass League of Nations. That's it. <laughs> you mean the stable with Wade Barrett? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. And similarly, that stable fell apart because they had to vote uh, unanimously on stuff. <laughs> I don't think you followed that at the time, <laughs> did you? Yeah. There, well, there is like, uh, we say it's not shot particularly well. There is one shot that I do really like. Mm. It's when um, they're getting ready for the party and Faisal is getting into a suit. Yes. Because he's like, well, I'm going to look just like them and then they will, hopefully they won't treat me like Again, shit. Again, perfectly, perfectly reasonable thing to do when dealing with the British because, yes, they will trust you if you look respectable to their eyes. And the cool thing is that Dyson comes in and he's kind of causing, I mean, I think I'm going to play the clip here, but he's kind of causing a rift between the two. Yeah. And while he and Lawrence are talking about the deal Faisal's just between them but in the background kind of uh, kind of fuzzy like kind of faded out a little bit yeah. and it's almost like they're kind of talking about what's going down he has no control over anything yeah he just has to sit there and watch yeah well let's play the clip because this is Dyson trying to create some uh, trying to create a rift in these two lovers uh, relationship what an asshole ah I fear you've been postponed why it's the French, isn't it? They want Syria. Well, there must be give and take. The Arabs fought for their freedom to get rid of empire, not acquire it, and freedom for the whole Arab nation, not pieces of it. Oh, indeed, they did, did they? Your Majesty, HMG is eternally in Colonel Lawrence's debt for harnessing the Arab revolt so efficiently to our war effort. Especially considering he was aware all along of the Franco-British agreement to divide Arabia into spheres of influence. The French in Syria, ourselves in the lower extremities. Don't let's pretend that there's anything new in any of this. 
We've all known about it for years, haven't we? Of course, I leave the interpretation of what has been said entirely up to you. Any such agreement was nullified when Faisal marched into Damascus at the head of the Arab army. I'm not sure the French would agree with you, Colonel Lawrence. I didn't realize in that scene he's also like playing on the fact that he knows Faisal understands him. Yeah. Dyson knows that Faisal understands him. He's like, oh, I guess it would depend on how you interpret that to, to Faisal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a bad little boy. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, there's that scene. So I think that that's like a decent scene. Um, there is also like a really interesting quote from Lawrence is when he's talking to all like the, the basically like the British old men whoever they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an interesting quote where he says, like, uh, you know, I have the advantage of the of the terrain because he's like, if we do it in the public eye, I'm mm. going to win because people like me. People know me. I'm famous. And they're like, if, we're, if you want to take this in the public, I'm going to win the popularity of the people and, you know, we're going to, we're going to tower over you. And um, this, of course, was later referenced in Star Wars Episode Three, uh, uh Revenge of the Sith, when he says... Anakin, I have the high ground. Yes, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were referencing Lawrence after Arabia. Absolutely. But but he also said because the British guys want to do it privately. They say, well, why don't we just meet private and talk it over? And he's like, oh no 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 yeah. no. We're I, doing this out in the open. That's why they they show up to that party wearing robes because yeah. they know it'll cause a big a big scene. A big to do. And that's why the old man thinks it's a little too oriental for us. Uh, a bit too oriental for my taste. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm troubling he was in the running for most british yes um and of course we learned in this movie it, it's not really mentioned in the previous movie but we learned in this movie that lawrence is illegitimate he his dad is not really his dad it's kind of mentioned i think yeah or it, 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 it but it doesn't really figure much into the movie i think it might actually be mentioned now that you mention it but, i think he uh, mentioned i think he mentions it to oh my god what is omar sharif's character oh uh uh, uh prince of, or sheriff ali yeah Almost his name. Yeah. Uh, he mentions it to to uh, Sh- uh, Sheriff Ali when they're kind of sitting out by the tent. Yeah, and but in this movie, it comes back to bite him a bit because, of course, that's a problem in this era of England. That you, See, I didn't even catch that. Because uh, he talks about being imprisoned in a lie his whole life. He's referring to his, I think, his uh, illegitimacy, but that can apply to many things for uh, Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, the British officer accuses him of betraying his race and his religion. And hanging around with these heathens, embracing this heathen religion, this this act confirms your illegitimacy. Which is a rough thing to say to a guy in 1918 or mm-hmm. 19. Mm-hmm. 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 Dude just put himself through a fucking war for your country and that's how you're treating him? Well, and then that scene we listened to earlier, um, they also try to create a rift between, the, between Lawrence and Faisal by saying, oh, Lawrence was well aware of the contract that the British and French had with the... Which he was. But, yeah, but I think he thought he could... Well, that's it, and that. I think he told Faisal about it. I think that that was indicated that they they were saying that they both knew that the, that was a thing. But then, the it comes into the question of who got to Damascus first, and and I guess in Lawrence's mind that they got there first, that it meant that they should get their way. But then they bring out the general of the ANZAC forces, the Australian and New Zealand combined that contingent, was a weird scene. who had also been fighting and for Damascus that day and claimed that they had troops in the day before. I'm sorry, but that was a stupid like. 
that was just such a cliche movie scene because yeah. when he calls in Lawrence to talk about that, yeah. he literally taps his cane and the guy is just like, He's at like the you're ready. sure that's what happened. You're absolutely certain. And I don't know why I'm doing British accent because it's it's Clemenceau, the, the French president. You're absolutely sure this is what you do. And then yeah, he bangs his cane and then in shadow, this guy comes down and this British general walks out. Yeah. And he's like, my men got there first to die before because we're the Anzac forces and I won't have you bragging their knives through the mud, you know. See, our theory, guys, is that if we do every accent, yeah, everyone could be offended. It's, it's none offensive. All right, and what does the Chinese ambassador say? <laughs> Just kidding, don't do it. <laughs> I mean, I will say, on one hand, rare, almost as rare as Canadian troops do you, uh, uh, seeing Anzac forces mentioned in any um, capacity in these war movies, so outside of, like, Gallipoli. So much appreciated from the movie on that point. I recognizing think, their contribution. I think the scene where Lawrence goes to visit his father is handled pretty well, mm-hmm. and it's kind of touching and well, touch, touching and very sad because he goes to visit his ailing father, and by the time he gets there, his father's already dead, yeah. and he has to leave before the funeral. And he points that out to Ali. He's like, "I, I got home too late to see Ali. my father." Or, or Ali to uh, Faisal. I uh, <laughs> Muhammad Ali. There's a weird deleted scene in there. It's like I got there too late to to see him before he died, and I had to leave too early to see him buried. Yeah. And that sucks. That's the life. That's the life of a British officer who later became a map maker and fell in love with Kristen Scott Thomas. And then got into a plane crash again. Uh, but this one was real bad. And got dive bombed by Colin Firth. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, it'd be funny if, if you know, because that literally, I think that would be completely feasible if, if Lawrence, like, changed his name and became the guy from fucking uh, English Patient. It'd be great if he just turned around and was like, I think I shall make maps. And then Kristen Scott Thomason goes, I think I might fall in love with this man. And then Clive Owen comes out, no, you won't. Clive Owen? Is that Clive Owen or Clive, what was uh, the other guy? Colin Firth. Colin Firth, that's right. I was confused. It would be funny if Clive Owen came out and said, no, you won't. And people like, what? Well, fuck you up, all will. That's right. Clive Owen. Classic Clive Owen. Classic Clive. He's no Clive Anderson, but he's one of the better Clives. Jason, you got anything else about this movie you want to mention? I want to mention about this movie. Uh, they told him to try very, very hard to disappear. Yeah. Uh, which he kind of did. Uh, and th- But this whole movie... So Lawrence dies in the original movie, and this movie is far more depressing. Yeah, it's <laughs> just... Yeah, it's it's a slog. It's a slog, and it like it, it's it, not interesting. It's not it interesting. focuses on it focuses on probably the least interesting part of Lawrence's life. Yeah, like Lawrence of Arabia. There's a reason they focused on that aspect. I'd have rather seen a movie about his life, like working as an air, air, aircraft mechanic or something. Sure, after war. like that would have been more interesting to Str- me. Like how he interacts with the men and how they interact with him, struggling to maintain himself as like a lower level. Yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, without the publicity that he once had that he yeah. so craved. Yeah, this was just a. a, a bad idea yeah and I don't think there's well I, I don't think the concept is bad it's just it wasn't done in a way that deserved it did that it did, did this movie did not have the gravity that that event deserved mm-hmm. and we didn't get enough of Faisal and his relationship like that really should have been the straight focus of the movie more so than the diplomacy because the diplomacy is a bunch of just fucking old white men yakking with each other and there's only so interesting that that can be it's a tough concept to make Interesting, yeah. And we have a TV movie director who just doesn't make it interesting. He doesn't make it interesting. And I mean, to be fair, he probably didn't have a budget to make it too interesting. Sure. But like, yeah, it's just they, they, they should have worked more within their means and maybe done a, even smaller of a movie. But 
Yeah, it's just, here we are. It's 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 not something that you should go out of your way to try to find. No, I mean even when this thing aired, I feel like it would have just been like, eh, I'm gonna change the channel and watch the rerun of fucking whose line is it anyway? And, it, and I mean, as far as I can see, it was received okay. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, people didn't hate it. That's the thing. It's perfectly fine. Like, let let me give you an example. If you are super, super, super into World War I history, like this would probably maybe interest you because you would know who all these people were and you would maybe find some, some, something interesting about seeing that process play out. Because I'm thinking like in my mind, if this was, if they made this exact movie, except uh, it was about the end of the Dominion War in Star Trek mm-hmm. and, and, and Alexander Siddick played Julian Bashir in it, I would absolutely love this movie. And I don't think anybody else would, but I would love to see like the political ramifications in the Star Trek universe because I'm so in-depth uh, of the canon and the knowledge of it. And while I certainly love history, my knowledge of the Paris Peace Conference isn't quite as deep as my knowledge of Star Trek, and that probably is an issue with me. <laughs> Keep in mind, too, guys, Jason is a world is a, is a guy who has said on this podcast two two mere weeks ago, we don't have enough World War One movies. Yes, here we have a World War One movie, and we are both like, well, send... it's more of a post World War One movie, Brandon. Hold on, <laughs> I'm gonna finish my statement, right. Jason. We are both saying. Send it back. Send it back. The potatoes are not well done enough. Yes, we have no bananas. We have no bananas today. That's what I say about this movie. Yeah, it's a turd. Yeah, I I didn't really care for it. There's 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 things that could be that could work. It's not it's not angrily bad. Like it doesn't anger me to watch it, but it's it's also it's just so like yeah. It's it's a it's it's literally a movie to put on if you want to have a nap. Oh, yeah. Cure for insomnia, this yeah. movie, for sure. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. Does it replace Lawrence of Arabia on the yeah. list, Jason? Uh, no. Would it be a twist if you were just like, well, yeah. I mean, it would be a twist if it was good. I mean, that would be just if it was like a really good, you know, postscript to that story. But I don't know about you, but after the first 10 minutes of this, I was like, this is going to be yeah. a long movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right out of the gate, just seeing like the titles and him talking at the beginning. It was just like, man, what have I got myself into? Thankfully, yeah. it wasn't as long as Lawrence of Arabia. It was only a mere one hour, 45 minutes. So They, they do have that, that. That, that game with the ni- knife and the fingers. Oh, yeah. They do all, all knifey fingery. Yeah. Yeah. All um, from, what do you call uh, it? A five from, finger fillet, I believe, is what they call it in Red Dead Redemption. I think it's probably what it's called. It's yeah. also an alien. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Fucking bishop. Fucking Lance Henriksen accidentally cuts his own finger off, and then you realize he's a robot. Lance Henriksen of Mass Effect fame. Of course, that's what everyone knows him from. Yeah, and, and Millennium. Yeah, that's, that's the big <laughs> Millennium, number one hit show for that's many right. years. Three of them, in fact. Yeah, it was I'm sure it was the number one show oh, for absolutely. each of those years. There's no way it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'm guys recommend this one. No, 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 no. no. Don't don't no, seek it out. It's Christ. not worth it. It's... You'd be better off watching Hearts War, which is a movie that has nothing to do with World War One because it's a World War Two movie. And it stars Bruce Willis, and it's about a court case and a POW camp. But it's actually a pretty good war movie. So if you want to watch a war movie with lots of talking, watch Hearts War. Yeah, if you want to watch a movie that just has lots of talking, watch 12 Angry Men. Yeah, that's got a lot of talking in it. That is literally good. all talking. And if I you want to watch a movie with a lot of talking, you watch Kevin Smith's Clerks. I, I like how you had to say that it was Kevin Smith's Clerks. Yeah, no, nobody a, else's Clerks. As opposed to Werner Herzog's Clerks. <laughs> I would love to see that movie. Oh, my. The existential dread of working in a convenience store. Sometimes I stare into the empty cash register and all I see is dust. Dust which makes up the existence of my being. Oh my God, you're speaking to my heart. When I put the salsa shark on the ground, 
Sometimes it makes guacamole. Oh, Werner, you know me so well. And the sour cream rises to the top. That's for the avocado we sell at the store, isn't it? We sell avocado now. Yes. Yeah. That is what it is. Thank you, Werner. You've made my day. I am very sleepy. By the way, that Simpsons episode you were in this week was mediocre. Oh, I'm sorry to hear. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm very sleepy. I just watched Lawrence after Arabia. Yeah, I know. Look, you're going to want to leave or I'm going to shoot you again. (laughs) Go back to your Star Wars. Even his jetpack sounds weird. (laughs) It's very depressed. Well, Jason, um, hey, listen, I know this is a short one this week, guys, yeah, but we folks. don't have anything to fucking say. This movie, what do you want from us? It's, wow. Just yeah, keep going. What do you want from us? What do you want us to say about this movie? <laughs> what do you want us to say? We can't possibly say anything else about Lords After Arabia. You it's know what? Just Jim there. Carter is pretty good Jim in it. Jim Carter's fantastic in everything he's in, and his few scenes in this movie were probably the most interesting. And all the actors are fine. Yeah. It's just it's just nothing. It's a nothing. It's just a nothing. It's like the character in the never ending story. It's the nothing. Yeah. Sure. I've seen that movie since I was very young. Like two years ago? Isn't that where the horse drowns in the mud? Oh, don't. oh Jason. <laughs> oh Jason, don't. That yeah. scene still haunts my childhood. Yeah, yeah. I grew up around horses, I feel you. <laughs> well, next week, Jason, things are gonna change. We're, we're looking up, are we? We're Well, depends how you look at it. <laughs> depends how you look at it. All right. We are going to talk about a remake of a movie that we talked about on the BFI Top 100. Mm-hmm. Pretty close remake, too. Yeah. We talked about, uh, for a Halloween episode, yes. we talked about number 96 on the list, which was the 1973 original version of The Wicker Man. Which we both liked very much. Yeah, very cool movie, yeah. um, which I was, I think surprised you a lot. Yes, I was not expecting it to be quite as good as it was, and, and I still think about it. It's a, it's a really good movie. Uh, half musical. Yeah. <laughs> um, directed by Robin Hardy. We are going to take a look at the 2006 remake of which I'm sure more people are familiar with. Yeah. Uh, Neil Labute's version of The Wicker Man circa 2006 starring your god and mine Nicolas Cage I am stoked to watch this movie Jason has never seen this movie and I do love some crazy cage and you're gonna get it my friend good because this movie is fucking wild um this will be the energy level is going to go up i guarantee you that not sure how you're going to feel about the movie well we'll see you know what if if it's got crazy nicholas cage in it it, whatever happens it can't be that bad it's going to be watchable i'll tell you i'll give you that good that's what i want to hear what is that a shark you'll understand (laughs) that when you watch the movie Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> um, so we'll talk about 2006's The Wicker Man, as if 2006 owns that movie. Yeah, they do. Uh, <laughs> Neil Labute makes a horror movie with interesting results. Mm. And uh, I think we're going to have a special guest for that one, so stay tuned. It's not going to be Nicolas Cage. No. We tried. <laughs> we tried really hard. But he's very busy. He, he See, he's really hard to get on things where he doesn't get lit on fire. Yeah. and We because, weren't prepared to do that. Yeah, we, and it's not really a good audio joke. No. And it, I just think it's disrespectful to Mr. I, Cage. I mean, we've only lit half our guests on fire. Hmm. Um, and Nicolas Cage was not going to be one of them. Yeah. I mean, Alec Guinness can take a licking and keep ticking. We're happy to have dead people on the show, but we're not in the habit of making them dead. No. No. You can light dead people on fire. That's the thing. Exactly. And they don't care. No. You know, you can fuck dead people. 
You could just you could fuck them in any of their holes. You can you can cut new holes and fuck them in those holes. I'm quoting David Cross right now, but but it, it still stands. Jason, why does that quote say David Cross and then around the entire quote it says Jason McLeod? <laughs> Look, I I may have done some writing for David Cross back in the '90s when I was a teenager, but you know what? It's, it's, it's neither here nor there. It's weird that he hired you on with no experience. Yeah, I know. He was. You know what? He's he's just he's a real believer. That yeah. guy. He's real positive. Number one Jim Belushi fan, David Cross. That's right. He loves him. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, next week it's going to be fun. I can't wait to talk about this movie. Uh, what's up with the Wicker Man? But until then, Jason, they can find you on Twitter. At Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Check in. Sometimes I retweet things. Sometimes, once in a while, I'll tweet something of my own. But uh, I'm out there. I'm alive. Check me out. Do not send him tweets about the Wicker Man. He is going in cold. And none of you out there are really following me unless, unless one of you out there is that robot that followed me. Some bot followed me. It could be. Bot, are you are you listening? Yeah, are you listening, bot? If you are, tweet me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I might work. You never know. I've got like 100 followers, folks. Let's get me up to 105. Oh, shit. That is your challenge. <laughs> challenge laid down. You can also follow us on Facebook. You can find us uh, by searching for Screen. And Country. You can find us on Twitter by, by following us at BFI underscore pod. And uh, you can find us on all the podcatchers. We're on Podbean. You know it. Apple Podcasts. Right there. Spotify. All over Stitcher. The place. You. All the other ones. You don't even need to subscribe to Stitcher Premium to get us. You don't. You just go on Stitcher and you listen. And but, you but if you did get Stitcher Premium, you could listen to lots of live episodes of Comedy Bang Bang with Paula Tompkins oh, and Laura they don't, they don't need our plug. That's true. They don't. But I just I really like that stuff. So I just want to support them. All right. Well, tell them to start plugging our show. That's right. Yes, I will. I will be sending a very strongly worded email. <laughs> Paul F. Tompkins, get on it, you hack. Tweet me, and then yeah, I will give you my information, and you can promote me. <laughs> Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah. Next week, Mike Perbiglia is on the show. Ooh. Um, imagine sleepwalk with me. More like it. So that all being said, Jason, I just got to say to you. God save the queen. God save the screen. And for screen and country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. After Arabia, I take a nap. Now that's a movie I've not seen in a long time. Long, long time. Is that a shark? (laughs) We can never know about the days to come. about them anyway and I wonder if I'm really with you now or just chasing after some finer day If you've ever found yourself scrolling through the recommended movies on streaming services and wondering if any of those are worth your time, I'm here to help. Hi, I'm Erica, host of Customers Also Watched, a podcast about movies on Amazon Prime. I started with one movie from my own watch list, and from there, each episode, I grab a friend or two 
and we discuss a movie from the customer's also watch list of the previous episode's movie. Follow on Twitter at CAW Podcast and Facebook or Instagram under Customers Also Watched. Available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podbean. See you down the rabbit hole.